Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you, for real, in this place, do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Let me just see a hand. A power, prayer, hand in the air. You believe in it. Okay, let me ask you another personal question. How many of you would say that God has answered at least one prayer that you have prayed in your life? You can really think about a moment. There are more hands now than the first one. That's kind of a interesting. <laughs> you know, when you're faithless, sometimes God is faithful. <laughs> I don't believe in it, but yes, it's happened. I have prayed for big things and small things. Maybe you're like me. In your life, at some point, you have prayed for a weird thing. Like, out of the ordinary thing. I'll give you an example. Maybe in your life, you were an athlete, and you were like, God, I pray I drop 30 tonight. You know, like a sports prayer. Like, you pray for sports teams. You're all into it. I mean, maybe even last week, you were like, God, I believe you exist. And I'm asking you right now, maybe you had like a prayer voice. Oh, God in heaven, I'm praying right now for the Broncos. I pray that you would reach down and just anoint them right now. Interim coach, Russell Wilson, bring revival to his heart and his hands and his brain. And you prayed, and it was a close game with the Chiefs, right? It was because the prayer's working, prayer's working, prayer's working. And then you doubted, and then we lost. It's your fault. Did not have enough faith. How many of you have ever prayed a sports prayer? Can I just see a hand? You've ever prayed a sports prayer? I have. I'm not going to ask if you had money riding on the game. <laughs> That's when you really start praying. How many of you have ever prayed a negotiation prayer with God? You know, if you'll, I will kind of a deal. This was a classic thing that Becky and I saw with students working with college students for 14 years. It was this idea of like, God, if you will give me an A. I know I haven't studied. You know I haven't opened a book. But if you will just, if you'll give me an A, I will serve you the rest of my life. And then it's like, okay, maybe I'm asking you too much. I'll take a B. If you'll just go B, I'll still serve you. If you'll go C, I'll even be one of those, like, I'll be a CEO Christian. I'll come on Christmas. I'll come on Easter only. I will do what it takes. A C, get degrees. It's okay. You prayed in negotiation prayer. I remember praying for something. This is probably my weirdest prayer that I ever remember myself praying. I'm seven years old. I'm living in Oklahoma. This is outside of Tulsa. My parents' house, we had about 20 acres outside of the town, and the home was built up against a hill. Now, I say hill because I live here in Denver now. Then I would have been like backed up to a mountain. <laughs> There's no mountains in Oklahoma. Backed up to a very Oklahoma steep hill. And one day, rain crazy, just coming down, coming down, coming down for days. And we have a little mudslide behind the house. And this big rock came tumbling down the hill towards the house. Did not hit the house, but it came close. And it was the size of like the largest kitchen island that we would have probably here in Central Park. Big. Like, take these two subwoofers, put them together, it's bigger than that. Big, rectangular rock. And my mom was not happy about it. I remember her asking my dad to get it out of there. But it was a big rock. I wasn't like he was just going to go move the thing. So he's trying to figure it out. And in my seven-year-old brain, here's what I was thinking. I was like, 
I was raised in Christian school. If God put that rock there to begin with, he could put it back. So I marched my little seven-year-old body out there around in the back. Nobody was around. This was between just me and you and the Internet. <laughs> I walk around the back of the house, and I look at this rock. It's, of course, way bigger than me, and I look at it, and I start channeling all of my, like, Christian school, all of my raised in church, right? And I combined that with my recent obsession with Star Wars, I didn't just go, I, it wasn't just this, right? It was a little combination of, so I was like the curved hand, like ha Yoda would kind of, you know, do things. So it was like extended. <laughs> and I remember I'm like, God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would take that rock and just put it back where it goes. And I, I'm like pushing, I put it back where it goes. And I got nothing. I determined in my head that my, spiritual midi-chlorian holy spirit count was just too low at that point in my life my star wars fans and i see some of you nerds laughing you're like you know what i'm talking about other people are like i don't did he just speak in tongues he said midi-chlorian i don't know what this is raise your hand if you've ever prayed a weird prayer just kind of weird out of the ordinary we've all prayed probably for big things small things weird things we believe in the power of prayer I want us to grow, of course, during this series called A Better Way, learning about prayer, learning more about Jesus' style, how he did life. But I'm going to be honest with you, and this might sound weird, but I have never felt like a great prayer. I've been around people who sound great when they pray. I mean, they just sound King James version of the Bible. They have all of these weird, random scriptures memorized that sound powerful when you really put it together, like with the right language and and the right spirit. I beseech you, God, on behalf of the nations of the world. You know, just like they pray and you're like, whoa, you should have like a podcast of praying. I've never felt like a great prayer. In fact, I've always felt like I am prone to getting distracted when I'm trying to pray by myself. I have always felt guilty about not praying enough. Have you ever felt that in your life? It's like it doesn't matter how much you pray, you feel like, I just don't pray enough. Here's what you feel, prayer guilt. Like you can pray five minutes, you're like, well, that's not long enough. God probably didn't even hear that. Doesn't count. I would feel guilty. I would feel not good enough compared to other friends that I would have. I remember in particular college friend Jess Trevino. He was and is one of the best prayers that I've ever been around. I mean, he would quote Old Testament scriptures from books like Lamentations, Leviticus. I don't even know where you're pulling these things out. The vocabulary is amazing. He's a pharmacist now, so he's always been a smart guy. But I remember praying with him. I was just like, I'll just pray with you. I don't, I can't keep up with this. In this series, I want us to work hard to shed prayer guilt, to be disciplined enough to say, even if I have negative past feelings about prayer, maybe I tried it, it didn't work, maybe I thought I tried it, got frustrated, I want you to take those feelings of guilt 
or those feelings of frustration, I'm not asking you to forget them, but I'm asking you to shelve them for a minute, turn down their volume, and I want you to think about what is prayer really. What we're going to see in the life and the example of Jesus is that prayer is so, so, so important. But many times, I think we struggle with it. It's something that we feel frustrated by, or we don't do enough, or we don't do it good enough so it doesn't count. And so we get into this rhythm of not doing hardly anything. And then that leads us to a place of feeling numb, spiritually numb. So I want us to start growing in this. If you're down to do that, everybody say, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. Get your communication card. Write this down right across the top, please. It's the first one big thing of the year in 2023. And I like this one. I ain't going to lie. Prayer isn't an action you take. It's a lifestyle you create. Prayer isn't an action you take. It is a lifestyle that you create. Some of this is going to be just my opinion. Some of this is going to be straight out of the Bible. And you're going to make up your mind for yourself. I want you to challenge yourself. Open up your mind. Open up your heart. If you've had frustrations, push them to the side. Pray and believe, God, if there is a way, help me to understand the next step for me to have a deeper, better connection deeper, more meaningful conversation so that we can take steps towards a lifestyle. So in getting ready to figure out what prayer is, let's think about what prayer is not. Prayer is not you auditioning for Shark Tank. How many of you have ever watched this show? The theme music, all this stuff. Just channel the theme music in your head right now. So I was asked and volunteered to be a part of a judging panel for students at Northfield High School, their business class. And so I came in, I had some other people with us in the panel, so we were sitting at this table in front of the class, and then they had groups that would come and do presentations for us. And let me tell you, every single one of those students had to watch Shark Tank. You could tell. I mean, if anything, if they had worked on anything, it was the introductions. It kind of was like introduction, and then everything kind of went downhill after that for the most part. I love y'all if you're here from North. I love y'all. We have some good ones in there. But they were all like this. They were like, come in, and they had matching outfits. They had good energy, and it would be like, hi, my name is Nick, Corbin, Becky, Thomas. My name is Hannah, and we are Greek Sheets. Literally, that was one of them. Greek sheets. It rhymes. You remember it, right? It's just like our one big thing. If it rhymes, somehow it's more meaningful and more powerful. So they would do their presentations, and of course, they were nervous. This is not how prayer is, but sometimes we feel like it is. Like prayer has to be fancy. Like you've got to do it in the right order. Like God is on the panel trinity on the panel and unless you do the right greek sheet introduction with the right intro and the right vocabulary and the right energy they're going to hear you or not hear you or agree or not agree or think that was good or not good 
We see God as a judge to impress as opposed to a father who already loves you. Trying to impress God to get him to love you more is like your child trying to impress you to get you to love them more. You already love them. They might do something that's extra cute or that's fun or I'm proud of you. I don't love you anymore. So I'm like, oh, you learned math. Now I love you. I didn't before. But sometimes we see God as this this shark tank panel. Like we've got to have all of our stuff together. Sometimes we think that we can't tell God any bad stuff that's happening in our life. Like it can only be good or it can only be positive. Like you're coming in to do a review or something, like a performance review. Here's a newsflash. God already knows. It's not like you not telling him keeps him from knowing. God knows. When we come to a place where we can be brutally honest with our father and like Psalms in the Old Testament come when your heart is cut, when it is bleeding, when you are mad, when you are frustrated, to be able to go to God and tell him, I am feeling this way about this person, about this situation. I cannot believe this happened. They said this at work. I wanted to punch them in the face. I cannot believe this is happening in my family. This crazy relative, this neighbor, this thing, help me. I'm frustrated. Then you have some obstacle in your way to understand the father heart of God. He's not a judge to impress. He's a father to be loved by. Yes, of course, reverence, respect, a fear, that sense of honoring God. Yes, that's there. But we're never going to impress him enough to love us any more than he already does. He's already proved it. the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We don't make him love us more. He already did that. So if you ever feel like that, take it off the shelf. So this is what prayer isn't. It is not shark tank. It's not a big fancy pitch, graphs, charts, trends, formal presentation. So then what is it? Remember on one big thing, maybe look back and circle it again. Prayer isn't an action you take, it's a lifestyle you create. So what is it? Here's what I think it is. This isn't chapter and verse. This is some Nick Calloway thoughts on this. I think prayer is the state of connection. Prayer is not something that you turn on or turn off like a water faucet. Prayer is a state of being. How many of you, you have a person in your life that you text more than once a day? Same person. You text them more than once a day. Can I see a hand? How how many of you have somebody in your life that you text more than three times a day? Ten times a day? How many of you, this is like a husband and wife thing? Do, Do you do this? I do this. Becky and I do this all the time. So... I was looking for a past picture, and I'm like, Becky just sent me this like the other day. So I'm looking for it. I'm like scrolling. And sc- I'm like scrolling for days looking for this picture. And I finally had to go like sort pictures, boom, find it. 
this is kind of how I see prayer. It's not something that it starts and it stops and there's nothing. And then it starts and it stops and there's nothing. It's an ongoing conversation and awareness of what God wants from me, what I need from the Lord. I'm open to any move from him, big, small. I found that most often God speaks in small, still ways. And the more that I can turn down the noise of life, the better that I can hear his voice. So not letting my emotions get completely hijacked by other people. Letting certain things in business or in ministry just hijack where I'm at, my state of mind. It helps me to be steady and to be open, to be receptive. So I think prayer is connection, it's conversation, it's about the presence of God. And it's something that Jesus prioritized in his life. And so I want to show just a couple of scriptures, if we can, about Jesus and prayer. Just a couple. Some of you are getting really nervous. We're not reading all of these, okay? You're like, I'm hungry, and... I mean, just look at these. Before walking on water, I would say that's probably just a good life principle. If you ever think you're going to go walk across water, maybe pray before you, before you try that. I tried that once as a kid, too. I tried stupid stuff as a kid. I was, like, really putting my face to the test, and I, I fell right to the bottom of that pool, let me tell you. This is at least 25 times that was recorded, primarily over the ministry period of Jesus' life. Think about the amount of times that were not recorded. My personal take on Jesus and prayer is that Jesus was continually connected, conversing, aware of his Father, the thoughts of God, the Old Testament scriptures that he had memorized. There was no on or off. And it kind of works that way. Like, let's try this. Everybody do this together. Just thinking of this in the moment. Let's see how it goes. Everybody take a big, deep breath in through your nose. Slowly out of the mouth. Let's do it one more time. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Now you're asleep. We're thinking about breathing. How many times have you thought about taking a breath up until this moment, but you've been breathing the whole time? You know the average human breathes about 20,000 times a day, but you're not sitting around thinking about it. It's just something you do. You can do breathing intentionally to Relax, focus your mind through meditation, but you still breathe all throughout the day. What if that's the spirit of prayer? There are times when I really focus, when I'm really breathing in and out on purpose. It's formulaic. It's for a reason. It's something I'm really thinking about. And then there are other times I'm just breathing. And I go between focus and doing other things and focus and doing other things, but I'm breathing all the time anyway. What if prayer became like that for you, for me? It's a state of being, a lifestyle, not just something where you're like, I'm going to go to a prayer meeting, and that's the first time I've prayed in a long time, or at church, pray at church, or just 
at a meal and never have really another God thought in the entire day. Jesus, I think, embodied communication and connection with his Father. And after all, this is part of our mission, right? Here at Go Church, our mission is to live local, go global, and live like Jesus, right? We want to do life the way that he did life, the way that he would do life. What would Jesus do with the relationships you have in your life? How would Jesus start his day? How would Jesus deal with somebody that's difficult? How would Jesus deal with somebody in need? These are the kind of things we should do this like Jesus does this, like Jesus did this. We want to live like Jesus. So I want to take one, everyone say one, one scripture of the 25. And I want us to look at a moment. And as we start this 21 days of prayer and fasting today, as we're getting into this series, I want to start at a level that I think is most important. This is Luke chapter 3. This is Jesus after he had been baptized in water by John the Baptist. And as he was, what's that word? Praying. I mean, you think if there's anybody exempt from praying, it would be Jesus. Like, I get it. (laughs) She's prayed all the time. And he was praying. As he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. This is when I need Bill Carson. In fact, Bill, can you just join me really quick? Come on up here. Can you just hop up here just really quick? It's going to be worth it. Just give him a nice round of applause, okay? I want, you to, I want you to get the feeling of like, okay, you're there, and Jesus is being baptized, and, and you're watching this, and, and then God says this. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Yeah. That was worth it. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. Let me ask you this. Pleased with what? How many of you lead people? You lead teams, you lead other people in any capacity. Let me see a hand. You're responsible to lead, see people's performance. Think about this. Pleased with what? Jesus is about 30 years old right here. This is really the very edge of him getting into public ministry, the three years of his life that we really know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's not much written from birth to 30. Not a lot. It's a few little moments. And these moments are like, even as a young child, Jesus went to the synagogue and just melted the brains of religious leaders at how much he understood and knew. And was like, who is this kid? Exactly. Beyond that, we don't know a lot of what was happening with Jesus from birth to 30. So here we go in this moment. 
right in the beginning, before anything has really happened in ministry, and his father is like, I am pleased with you. Why? As a team leader, think about what you might be pleased by. Great work ethic. Always great performance. Good attitude. Always raises the watermark of the team. First one here, last one to leave. I mean, all the things that we would look at in like a human, you know, if you're evaluating somebody. But there's not a lot of job performance stuff yet. It hasn't even started. What is God pleased with? Maybe it was his carpentry skills. You know Jesus could put together an Ikea cabinet. And he would not cuss. What is he pleased with? Here's my theory. And you're going to have to track with me on this. My theory is that when the father looked down at the son in this moment, of course, God stands above time. He can see, he doesn't see time like we see it, but up until that point, him saying, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Pleased with what? I think he was pleased with the character of Jesus Christ, who he is on the innermost parts of his being, not just what he has done. He is proud of who he is. So as a team leader, not just proud or pleased with the performance that you have given, but somehow proud and pleased with who you are as a person. God is looking down And the father is looking down and saying, I am pleased with your character. Nobody had really seen him in operation. He didn't have much to put on the resume. No walking on water yet. No miracles yet. Haven't raised people from the dead yet. Haven't cured leprosy yet. No cross, no disciples, no leadership legacy None of the teaching, none of the beatitude, none of that. But yet God, in this moment, the Father says, I am pleased with you. I think this is getting at the heart of what prayer and a relationship with God really is. It's not about our performance. It's about who we are as a person. Maybe you're like me. I am more comfortable doing things for God than I am just being. I'd rather do stuff. Meet with people, do this thing, start this over here, you know, do all the activities, work really hard. I'm more comfortable doing that. I can track that. I can see that. I can measure that. That feels like it's productive. But sometimes I'll do that. I'm good at the doing. And God's like, when are we going to talk? When you're a great doer, when are we going to connect? I'm less comfortable with that. I just want to do things. It makes me feel better. God is proud of his son, pleased with his character. And this is what I want you to get today. Prayer wasn't something that Jesus started doing right before his public ministry. Sometimes this is when we pray the most right before we try to kick off our startup, your prayer life is great. Like right before 
you get pregnant, maybe you're praying about it a lot, God help us get pregnant, pray for this day, and then you have this kid and you, you, can't, you, you can't remember anything, <laughs> okay, no sleep. Sometimes we use prayer as a last resort. And I don't think Jesus was like that. I don't think prayer was his last resort. I think it was his lifestyle. And I want us to think about this, get mathematical about it. I believe that it took Jesus 30 years of building character, 30 years of private, 30 years of behind closed doors, 30 years of what you read in the scripture of find a quiet, solitary, isolated space and pray in that space. Don't pray for everybody else to see you or for everybody else to brag about your vocabulary, how you can quote weird scriptures in the right vibrato, but do it where the Father sees it and is pleased. I think it was 30 years of character development to support the three years of public ministry, what everybody saw. What everybody saw was built on an immense foundation of real personal connection with his father. There is no way, you're not going to convince me there is any way that Jesus could be faking it for three years. Just playing the game, just doing the social media thing. You know, everybody just sees the highlights. Jesus was the real deal. So it was 90% of private for 10%, right? Right? of public. I think that's what the father saw in Jesus and what he was pleased with. Speaking of pleased, I was very pleased with my son Ethan the other day. Ethan's running camera. Everybody just turn, wave at Ethan right over here. He's already waving like a kid who grew up in church. He's like, I'm here, part of another example. Here we go. I'll pay you later. So I walked downstairs to the basement, and I walked past Ethan, and I, like, stopped. Peripheral vision caught something. I was like, wait a minute. Turned, and Ethan was reading this book. And I didn't say much about it, but in my head, I was like, this is amazing. Like, Ethan is here, 16-year-old, just went to the bookshelf. Like, this is not something we made him read. I wasn't like, you better read this so you can play your Xbox for nine hours. He just decided to go to the bookshelf. He had heard me talk about this book before. Now, for all of you who might want to be interested in checking out this book series, it's called Habitudes by Dr. Tim Elmore. Very good for students in 20s, teens. So he had pulled this book out and was just reading it. And I'm like, reading the book. Awesome. On the inside, I was like, yes. Yes. And so it was even more like that the next day. When he comes to the kitchen table and we're fixing breakfast or whatever, he's like, you know, I, I learned about the principle of the starving baker. And I was like, yes! I was like, tell me about it. And he does. So he was reading about leadership in this book. And this book uses images to bring out principles. And so one of the very first chapters in this book is called The Iceberg Principle. It's about leadership. 
Dr. Tim Elmore writes this in the beginning of this chapter that my son Ethan read. I was so proud of him. The iceberg represents your leadership. The 10% above the water is your skill. The 90% below the water is your character. It's what's below the surface that sinks the ship. Think about what's underneath supporting what's on top. Think about Jesus' life again. Dr. Tim Elmore is talking about 90%, 10%. Think about Jesus' life. 30 years for three. The inside, the character to support the life and the ministry and the challenge and the pain, the betrayal, the cross, resurrection, temptation, all of these things built on character and a real connection with his father. So many times, everybody grab your book right down here. It's 21 Days of Fasting Books underneath your chair. Gosh, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to take this book and be like, okay, here's like eight things I got to do. This is like a do list. And if I do this, then I'm like more spiritual than I was before. And my life is off to a great start here in the year 2023. I don't want you to think about it like this. I want you to think about this as a journey to improve your connection with the Father. Now, turn to page 16, if you would. Page 16 is the first day. Actually, today is the very first day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Before this page, lots of information about the Lord's Prayer and different kinds of fasts that you can do and different ways that you can pray and different tools and resources. But on this page, I actually included a picture of my first page. It looks like this. It's a very rough sketch of an iceberg. And I want you to think about the inside first on this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Character. Character, it's a smashing together of your self-discipline. Some of the things I wrote down here, of your self-discipline, doing the hard but right things, core values. What are they for you? These are values that drive your behavior. For me, love, leader, steward, team, grit, love. Did I love God? Did I love people today? When I lay my head down on the pillow, lead. Did I bring influence where I was supposed to bring influence? Did I serve? Stewardship. Did I maximize every bit of time, every opportunity that I had today? Did I do that? I lay my head down on my pillow and I think about these things. I go through my day with my five values. Team. Did I communicate well today? Did I connect well today? Did I serve them well today? Grit. Did I quit anything that I should not be quitting today? Do I have that gritty bulldog determination to hang on to the things of God? Or have I given up on something that God doesn't want me to give up on? Core values. Developing these things in your life. A sense of identity. Where do you get your value? It's so common to get your value in career or resume or how successful you might feel or be. And those things aren't bad. God's given you the gifts and the skills to earn education and to do well. But if all your worth is what's on your resume, you're missing out on the purpose of life. You are worth what God is willing to pay. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, that's how much God loves you. He puts your value at that level. What's something worth? Well, somebody's willing to pay for it, right? I want you to think about developing your own values over this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you to take this first day and this week, 
It's our one big action. Write this down. I will look below the water level. That's what I want you to do. Don't just start with like, here's the nine things I'm going to pray, and here's all the stuff I'm going to pray for business, and here's all the stuff I'm going to pray, all the things, all the activities. Pray about what's inside first. Before God does something amazing through you, he wants to do something amazing in you. Do you believe that, Go Church? In you first, and then through. Think about Jesus. 30 years of in, 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 to support an amazing eternity changing three years of ministry and obedience that's what I want us to do starting today 21 days of prayer this is my challenge to you look below the water level let's pray God our father help us to remember that you already love us we don't have to earn it You've already proved it. God, help us not to be prideful in the knowledge of your love. Help it to create explosive humility. A, I can't believe, I'm so thankful that a loving, pure God could love me this much. Thank you, God, and help that understanding spur love for other people and love for the unlovable and love back to you. God, help us take this first day and look on the inside first. Everybody take a big deep breath in. And let it out. God, help us to have these focused moments of prayer, but help us to look at prayer as it is a never-ending, ongoing conversation that we can have in the middle of everything that's happening in our life, an awareness of you. If you're here today, the most important thing that you could get right is having a real relationship with Jesus. And this is the gospel, that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to provide a way of forgiveness and healing and hope for us in this life and in the life to come. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gospel is that Jesus came and he gave his life for ours. He was at his best when we were at our worst. And today you have an opportunity to pray a prayer of faith and ask Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of your life. He's not a way. He is the way to have a right relationship with God the Father and to have hope and a home in this life and in the life to come. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.